What's up, Dunwoody? I've been trying to get Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr to come on the show for a while now. Not sure if he got tired of my messages or maybe our boy Walensky got into his ear. Thank you, Mike. I've also asked like four or five past guests to bug him about coming on our show, but whatever it was, we finally got his attention. Thanks to Katie and Amanda from his office for uh, making time for us at the Capitol. Chris Carr grew up in Dunwoody. Him and his wife still live in Dunwoody with their two daughters. The man is charismatic and confident when he speaks, but he was cutting up and joking around with us before and after the show. Just an all-around good guy and a born leader. The sky's the limit for him. If you're new to the show, this is a show about Dunwoody and the citizens that make our city what it is. So thanks for joining us. My name is Matt Weber. We started the show about a year and a half ago in my brother-in-law Justin's backyard. He's got a nice deck bar built onto the back of his house. Uh, we plugged two microphones into his laptop and started talking about a city meeting I'd gone to. 11 minutes and six seconds later, we had our very first podcast. The show was definitely different. As an entrepreneur, or really anything that you're doing in life, there's times when you're about to share something that's a little outside the box and you worry, you worry about how the content's going to be received. You doubt if anybody's really going to listen to the crap you created. Justin named the episode and went to publish it. He had titled it one Brook Run Public Design Workshop. I challenged him to change it to 001 so that we didn't have to go back and change all of them when we hit 100 episodes. Justin smiled and asked, you really think we're going to get to 100 episodes? As he went back and changed it. We're almost there, though. Um, as we approach number 100, I'd like to take a second and thank everybody for listening. We would have never continued doing the show without your support. It's amazing the way the community and the city staff has embraced the show. I never thought that we'd get to the point of chatting with guys like Chris Carr. So, again, thank you for listening. I'm a realtor specializing in selling your Dunwoody home. What's Up Dunwoody has quite a reach when we add up all of the digital platforms, which means I can get your home in front of more buyers when it's time to sell. You can find all my information at whatsupdunwoody.com. Justin Dyke is my co-host. Justin is founder and lead developer of pooldues.com. Pooldues.com is a back-end billing software for your neighborhood swim and tennis. There's a cool member check-in with in-app sponsor links. He's built a, a way to add funds to your family Snack Shack account when you're sitting poolside with no cash. Some really cool creative stuff, so check that out. Brett Friedman from Village Orthodontics is our sponsor. If you've got kids around the age seven, bring them in. Brett normally doesn't start working on them when they're that young, but he'll come up with a good plan for the future. There's also a really helpful article that he posted on our website. Um, I'll get that link in the show notes. We are also helping out the parade organizers this month by mentioning the sponsors for the upcoming 4th of July parade. Presenting sponsors are the Reporter Newspaper, the Dunwoody Homeowners Association. Gold sponsors include EEP Events, Discover Dunwoody, and the City of Dunwoody. Silver level are Cap Concepts, Dunwoody Urgent Care, Crema, Dunwoody Animal Medical Center, Sky Zone, Northside Hospital, the Rotary Club of Dunwoody, EMC Green, and the Atlanta Academy. Bronze level sponsors include Cycle Bar, Renaissance Bank, Redfin, Piedmont Bank, DeKalb County Republicans, DeKalb Democrats, Mr. Terry Nall for Mayor, Stacey Harris for City Council, Brandon Beach for Congress, Dunwoody Pharmacy, Hobnob, Endeavor Montessori School, and What's Up Dunwoody. The parade theme this year is Happy Birthday Dunwoody. We're super excited about the 4th. If you happen to see our tent next to the judges station, please stop and say hello. Chris Carr will also be there, so make sure that you tell him you heard him on this podcast. What's up, Dunwoody? Welcome back to the What's Up, Dunwoody podcast. All right, so we're here with uh, AG Chris... Christopher Carr. I want to call you Chris Carr. That'd be Feel great. More comfortable that way. Chris but, would be um, just fine. Yeah, we're here at the at the state capitol, and our boy here is from Dunwoody, and um, just moved on up. So uh, 
Tell us a little bit about your background and what you do here at the Capitol. Boy, and what AG actually stands for. The attorney General. <laughs> That's it. Because most people know there is an Attorney General, but what we do, they, you know, a little bit a, a little bit fuzzy. No, I'm, I'm a proud Dunwoodian. We moved, my family moved to Dunwoody when I was in kindergarten in 1978. Oh, wow. And so I, it was halfway through the school year. So I started actually at OLA, Our Lady of Assumption, over now in Brookhaven. But then I went to Shallowford Elementary, which is no longer there, you yeah. know, and now at the corner of, of Shambly, Dunwoody, and Peeler. But went first through the sixth grade there and then went to Marist uh, for high school. And um, and have lived mostly and done what he moved. I moved to D.C. for a little bit, went to school in Athens, but moved back um, when I came back from D.C. with Senator Isaacson. I was his chief of staff, and when I became chief of staff, moved home, moved back to Dunwoody. So I live right in town, have since 2008, and absolutely love it. Yep. You excited about the parade coming up? Absolutely. Yeah. Best parade in Georgia, bar none. To my friends in Marietta, I know that uh, it's a great parade as well, but there is no doubt that, that it has become you know just a highlight. So we'll be there. Looking forward to being in it again. We'll see everybody. Hopefully it won't be too hot. Yeah, last year but was unbearably it hot. It was what very, can, very hot. What can you give out? We've given out stickers before. Do you give out like little? You can do candy and that oh. sort of thing, but they want you to kind of keep moving too. They, they, it, it's what I, I call the Johnny Isaacson rule. When he was running one year, he got out his? <laughs> and he started walking side to side. And then after that, Dick Williams said, uh, "Johnny, we're going to need you and all elected officials." We've heard that story before. <laughs> so <laughs> we realized stayed. it was him. <laughs> it was. It's, we call it the Johnny Isaacson rule. Uh, he was great retail. Uh, he's a great retail politician, and he just was going to get out of the car. But yeah. Dick said, "No, nah, we got to keep this thing moving." And you can't throw your candy. Either. Can't throw the can candy. You got to hand it. That, That's yeah. right. So we've had my daughter and my wife and sister and nephews have all given out candy at various times too. So we'll see. I, I don't know that we've quite gotten all the logistics down, but we'll be there. Last we'll, year we brought our whole family with us. <clears throat> this year we're gonna just go the two of us. <laughs> There's too much complaining last year. <laughs> I was trying to think of a funny sticker you could give out to the kids, like Chris Carr uh, for trial by combat or something like that. <laughs> they just like car attention grabber. Like car like automobile. It's like yeah, just like that with one extra R. Yeah, yeah. easy to remember. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you do here at the Capitol? So, we're, you know, we're the lawyer for the people of Georgia. I mean, that's really what it kind of comes down to. On a day-to-day basis, we represent the agencies and the boards and the authorities that comprise state government. So we're not the lawyers for the city of Dunwoody. We're not the lawyers for DeKalb County, but we work closely with them. Um, we work closely with the legislature on a number of policy issues like human trafficking or opioid abuse or elder abuse and gang activity and cyber crimes, openness and transparency in government, economic development. Those are kind of our, our key areas. And we, as a courtesy, also will represent judges who've been sued in their official capacity. Now, we're not their lawyers day-to-day separation of powers, but I think that that's important for us to work together. So important to work with local communities, important to work with the legislature and judges. Uh, Day-to-day, we're representing those agencies like Department of Education or uh, Department of Natural Resources, Secretary of State's office, Governor's office, those sorts of things, making sure. But at the end of the day, we re- we, um, we report and, and are accountable to the people of the state of Georgia, representing their interests. It seems like a really bad idea to sue a judge. <laughs> well, a lot of people will do it. It's un- And it, it's unfortunate because they're just doing their job. And when they get sued in their official capacity, they, I mean, they need somebody to be able to step in. And that's why I think it's important to do that. Has yeah, it ever somebody's gone- got their back. Yeah. Has it ever gone well for the 
The person that tried suing the judge? I mean, it, it may. Most of them don't because, again, they're unhappy about something that, that you know, oftentimes doesn't have the support that they say that it does. Um, but, again, when a judge is just doing his or her job following the following the law, you know, it's we come in and say, you know, give them a little bit of support, which I think is critically important. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into some of the topics. Uh, sure. The opioid crisis is something that kind of hits home to me. Just because I've employed so many teenagers, and yeah. it's weird seeing teenagers in you know nice regular neighborhoods that I grew up in dying of opioid abuse. It's Crazy. horrific. You know, it, it, it's um, it's an issue that no matter where I go in the state of Georgia, everybody's been impacted. It, it really knows no demographic or geographic or economic boundaries. I mean, that's the thing. You talk about kids. Yeah, kids are impacted by it. But a couple of years ago, there was a study that showed nearly half of all overdoses were in the 45 to 64-year-old range. And that's because somebody had a back surgery or a knee replacement ended up getting hooked on an opioid and then and uh and ran uh, out of money ran out because then you turn to heroin that's exactly so you can go but it's um you know and and you talk about it with any group because you know there's parents that are impacted by it children friends co-workers and i talk about it a lot of times with chambers of commerce because one study came out showing that nearly 20 percent of all men that are no longer in the workforce and 25 percent of all women are no longer in the workforce because of this crisis and it, it's not just Georgia. It's not just the United States of America. I mean, this is a global issue right now, but we're certainly having to deal with it, and it uh, it just permeates everything. Yeah. And once they're out of the workforce, it's just going to get worse. You know? it, it is. And, and you got to have, you know, the, we got to have treatment options and that sort of thing. And we've done a couple of different things. We've got a lawsuit right now we filed against the manufacturers and the distributors. There you go. I and like that. So we've we've got that. We filed that in, in Gwinnett County. There's a kind of a federal lawsuit that's going on, but we've got our own in the, in the state because we think that puts the state in the best position. Has Gwinnett kind of become a hotbed for it like the Northeast Atlanta was? Uh, the all counties are impacted. The reason we actually filed the lawsuit in Gwinnett County is because they have a business court. So that will actually expedite our lawsuit if we get it into that business court. And we're waiting to hear right now as far as that goes. But the other thing that I heard, you know, I really heard when I took this job two and a half years ago is it was clear there were a lot of different groups that cared about it, that were passionate about it. There were a lot of task forces that were out there, but nobody was really communicating all that well. State agencies and law enforcement, you know, education, nonprofits. So we decided to create a statewide task force very simply to build an infrastructure of communication between people that wanted to discuss this issue. All 10.4 million Georgians are welcome to join uh, our task force and can go to our website, law.ga.gov, to, to join. But the, but what we want to be able to do is ask three questions. What are each and every one of us doing to address this crisis? Two, how can we work together to leverage the assets and the resources that we all have collectively to solve the problem? And three, if there's a gap, how do we fill that gap? My preference wouldn't be to go create another government program. It's to go out here in the state of Georgia, a state that has the CDC, has incredible assets, uh, healthcare-wise and other, you know, to be able to address the crisis and say, all right, let's fix it. Let's let's come together and, and, and fix it. And that was kind of the philosophy that we had at Economic Development. And one of the philosophies I learned from Johnny Isaacson and, and, and Governor Nathan Deal. And so we've taken it here and, and, and put it into place. And we've had uh, four or five different statewide meetings. We've got a uh, a meeting coming up on July the 12th in Cobb County where we're actually going to focus on the suburbs. How does this crisis impact the suburbs and also the issue of stigma? Because so many people are just embarrassed that, oh, my 
dad has an issue or my son or my nephew. But the reality is, again, if you ask anybody in a room to raise their hand, probably 70 or 80% of the people know somebody mm-hmm. or have been impacted themselves by it. I mean, I've got friends from the University of Georgia that have reached out to me, say, hey, I've got this issue. I've had, it, it, it doesn't matter where I go, somebody's stopping me to tell me a story. In fact, I keep pictures of, of some of the folks that have overdosed that their family members will send me so that we can keep that spirit alive. And remember, it's important to have data. We've got to be data-driven, but this is a human crisis. Why are you doing it? That's right. Let's never take the faces away. Let's never forget these are real human beings that are being impacted by mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's the human beings that you're not expecting, too. I mean, that's right. they graduated from UGA, came back, and with that on there. Yeah, one of the one of the play. students is a guy that graduated. From, I graduated from Marist in 1990, but he graduated uh, last April, or gradu- graduated in uh, I guess four years ago. But he overdosed last April, and his dad sent me his funeral card, the prayer card, just so we could remember. And and can happen to anybody. Yeah. Senator Isaacson's grandson, the night before he was going to graduate from Georgia Southern, three nine in math, overdosed and died. This result. I mean, it, it doesn't matter who you are. It does not matter who you are. Uh, this crisis just it just doesn't discriminate yeah don't well, take those pills that's the important part here. yeah and, and then it gets expensive and then you turn to heroin yeah, yeah. like we were just talking it's cheap. about um from a, <laughs> a tough topic too let's talk about the fcc and all the robocalls i get ah that's something you guys been dealing Unbel- with it is it's unbelievable it's probably the number one issue i'm hearing from folks right now and there are so many of them that are coming from overseas so i mean it really is going to take you know, there's a government role and there's also a private sector role. But I, we've talked with our, our friends at, um, you know, AT&T and, and Verizon. They've got plans and they've got, you know, there's apps that you can put on your cell phone. And, and those work very well. And they, they Actually, do. I'm surprised you brought that up. The and, AT&T, they, they texted me an app to download and now I downloaded it. If somebody calls me, it says AT&T spam call. Yeah, and, and I commend look, I commend them for it because the private sector is always going to be out ahead of the government. So right. I appreciate them. And it was an easy fix, I feel like, for them too. Well, and, and, and again, not know I'm not not knowing all the ins and outs, but it was great to hear and see what they have done proactively to identify the numbers. And you got to constantly update that, obviously. But um, but we recently wrote a letter to the FCC asking them to update their rules and regs because again, we're always playing from behind. Technology is always changing, but if the FCC can play a role, and, and, and again, because so many of these calls come from overseas, you got to have the federal government involved in it. But from our perspective, and the thing that worries me most is the scams that come from it. You know, we've heard, and, and, and folks are getting more and more sophisticated all the time. You know, one of the things that we hear is, is you know, particularly if we're talking about elder abuse, you know, not just online, phone, door-to-door, but, but a lot of these phone scams will be, hey, why don't you go to the Western Union over at Walmart? And, you know, send we you know, send us $300 to help your nephew who's overseas or whatever it may be to uh, there was one recently we were made aware of that somebody would call you and say, hey, you're on a list of money laundering or, or drug dealing. And Attorney General Chris Carr is going to call you. And while you're on the phone with them, I and I'm air quoting, I will call you and say, hey, you're on this list. But as we talk, I say, no, no, we know it's not you. But what you need to do, send us your money so we can protect it until we arrest. And they'll be on the phone for hours until they can get that bank transfer. Then what I'll say is, all right, we've arrested them. Good news. Call back tomorrow, and or we'll call you tomorrow and give you the information to get the money back. It never happens. It's just more and more sophisticated. It's crazy that works. You should it. hop on one of those calls, though, to, like <laughs> to protect people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish we could. If we could figure out some way where we could jump in, we absolutely would. I can assure you that. Because, that, you know, it's kind of, human trafficking is kind of on one end. You're having kids that are being abused. On the other end, we're talking about elder abuse. And 
and it's tragic because you got financial exploitation and 90% of those cases are family members. But then, then you got outright physical and, and mental and emotional abuse. But there are just so many scams that are going on. And that's one of the things I'm really proud of our office. We're in a communications world and we're trying to partner more and more. Folks, get the word out, you know, because that's just, you know, you're at a stage of your life, you've worked hard. And somebody comes and cleans out your life savings or takes your benefits, your VA benefits or your EBT card or whatever it may be. And you have no way of getting that back at that point. It's tough. You know, you're done working. so And, and you, it, it's it's very, very difficult. So I, I've always said, you know, I, I, we obviously have a legal obligation, but I think we have a moral obligation to stand up for vulnerable populations, too. Well, yeah. they need to stop answering the phone. That's part of it, too. <laughs> no, seriously, like... Um, Rachel's mom, I, I, I've, she's been in one room with the baby in hand, and then she'll hear her phone ring, and she'll go to the other room. I'm like, no, just let it go to voicemail. You figure it out. <laughs> it's only three of us that call you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're trying to say if there's not a name on there. Right. But that's another. That's a great point. If there isn't a name, you know, not answering. But you see it, too. It's like my parents, too. They, they were very skeptical folks for a long, long time, and they get more kind of trusting as they've kind of gotten older, and or, you know, it's it, and that happens to a lot of folks, whereas before, you never would have clicked on a link. You never would have answered the door. You never would have given your bank account, but all of a sudden, for, you know, it's kind of the, the way life goes, you're more trusting, you end up being more vulnerable. But yeah, that's one of the things. Don't answer the door. <laughs> right. Don't give money unless you have a contract. You know, if, if somebody, you know, lots of times the scam will be Georgia Power, Georgia Power will email or call you saying you're power bills overdue but give us your credit card number and 250 bucks we'll take care of it now hang up the phone and actually go call georgia power they would never call you to begin with if you have any doubt getting people to just stop and then go to the source yourself and ask the question you can solve a lot of problems there or ask you just say hey if you got a question, you know, if say, Mom, just ask me, let me know, Dad, let me know, I'd be happy to answer it. Yeah, and your mom would know the real Chris Carr from the fake Chris Carr. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, that's, so I Hopefully would she'd be okay with that. <laughs> that's exactly right. If they ever say they're going to shut off your water, you know what I do is I just go, I, I park the car over top the water meter, <laughs> and I say, I got this for a few hours. You know, <laughs> just right in front. We'll, we'll sort it out. <laughs> just need to take a shower. <laughs> a couple was a couple months ago, uh, Somebody overdosed, and Chief Grogan was planning on charging him with murder. Is that the That's correct? right. So the what DA, happened? yeah, working with the DeKalb DA's office and the Dunwoody Police Department. And, and let me just say, Chief Grogan has been absolutely fantastic. The Dunwoody Police Department have been fantastic. I mean, both, at, I think, on a personal level, being a resident of Dunwoody, just seeing what they have done. I'm just such a fan of theirs. And he's been a big help uh, and, and a partner in a lot of what we've done. But what we had is we had somebody that has been uh, charged with homicide for a drug overdose for selling um, a, part- a particular uh, substance to an individual. And that happened right across the street in the apartment complex across the street from the police station. So about a month ago, we had a press conference, the first time in DeKalb County history that we've charged somebody, uh, not we, the DeKalb DA, and Sherry Boston does a great job. Her team does a great job. And they're charging uh, this individual with homicide. And that's the kind of thing I, I'm, I'm, I commend them. I'm a, a, appreciate that. Um, it is a matter of life and death. And when you've got a situation like this where it's crystal clear um, who was doing what, I appreciate them bringing those charges. Do you yeah. think it's going to happen? I mean, do you think that he'll get, uh, not prosecuted, but 
found guilty. <laughs> What's the proper term? C- for convicted. That? <laughs> convicted. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, I can't. You know, our office isn't handling it, and you know, but I would be. I'm, I'm very optimistic and hopeful, and I know they got great people that are working on it. So, are other cities doing that too? Fulton County had done it, as I understand, but I don't think it's been done very often around the state. We were talking about that at the press conference, and there, not a lot of folks could recall when this had happened. But again, I commend Sherry's office. I commend Chief Grogan for staying on it and doing this. Yeah. Chief Grogan is Dunwoody at this point. He is. He is. He's a great guy. That's that's kind of a tough one because it's almost like selling somebody a gun and then they go out and they shoot somebody with it. Well, so, you know, the gun dealer is not the person that, that did it. You know. I think it's a little different in that you know it is you, could, you could go hunting with a gun. You, there's a number of different you know legal, but if you're selling somebody you know heroin and it you know or or any other substance, there is a great chance that something you know tragic uh, could end up happening. He's not. So, there's not, nothing good to come from it. Yeah, for sure. They're, so. they're, they're just it, and and um, I'm just glad they're doing it. I yeah. really am glad they're doing it. Well, it does set an example. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I'll just take them off the streets. Um, speaking of taking off the streets, what about gang activity? I saw that was on your website. That was a big thing for you. It is, and and I I, I commend the governor. Uh, he had made this an, an issue in his campaign. He has appointed Vic Reynolds, the former district attorney of Cobb County, as the head of the GBI and has put money into a new GBI unit. Uh, the Georgia gang investigators, a great group of law enforcement folks and prosecutors around the state that deal with the gang issue, did a survey nine, 12 months ago, um, and identified 71,000 gang members in the state of Georgia and 1,500 different groups. And it is not just an issue that impacts Atlanta. I mean, this is statewide. 157 different counties reported some sort of gang activity. And, uh, you know, I'm curious if there's not really gang activity in the other two as well. And, and that's not a criticism of the community because, again, it's, it's kind of like some of these other issues we've been talking about. This isn't unique to Georgia. I mean, there's gangs all over the country. There's gangs all over the world. But we do have our, our share and, and uh, the fact that we are putting the resources toward it through the GBI. Uh, we created for the first time ever a um, the Georgia Anti-Gang Network, which brought together the U.S. attorneys, the FBI, federal partners with Department of Corrections, Juvenile Justice, us, police chiefs, sheriffs, DAs, you know, get in the room and say, all right, how are we going to work together to to disrupt these networks? Because right now it's all about making money, selling guns, selling drugs, selling human beings, stealing benefits, cyber crimes. I mean, you name it. It's about making money. And so as as U.S. Attorney for the Southern District, Bobby Christine's got a military background. He said, you know, to disrupt a network, to to stop a network, disrupt a network, you got to have your own network. And that's kind of what we've done. And I'm one of the folks that were at our last meeting a, a month or so ago said he thinks it's the most important um, law enforcement initiative the state's had in a long, long time. Well, how do you guys communicate with such a big, with all those organizations coming together? I mean, yep. I feel like that's most of your job is just organizing everybody. And well, and, and part of it sure is. Making sure they're still talking. It, well, and, and, and I do think that and, and, and really building, again, one of the biggest challenges I think in any human organization is communication, right. particularly, I mean, it's one thing if you're all on the same floor or same building, but if you and then if you've got multiple agencies, that's the challenge. And it's hard to work together if you don't know each other, know what each other does. So to be able to just bring these these groups together, even twice a year, is what we've done. We have, I think, made an impact and and put faces with names and allowed folks to get together. And there was a lot of good communication that was going on. But again, there's a lot of different groups 
Uh, even the Postal Service can help us with gang activity, bringing them in. You don't think about that. So who else needs to be there? Who else needs to be the room? Be inclusive, not exclusive, and build that infrastructure of communication so that it starts becoming second nature and picking up the phone if something happens and going, well, wait a minute. Also, the state is investing in a, a, a database so that you can tag, you know, the gang tagging on the walls or on, you know, telephone poles, tattoos that gang members might have, uh, and do a better job so if somebody gets gets arrested in LaGrange and then next week they get arrested in Dunwoody, hopefully we're going to be able to know that and allow that uh, those law enforcement well, folks to work together. Actually, what you really need is some sort of um, like machine learning algorithm that can take a picture of it. Glue it all together. That's part of what it, that's part of what it is. Uh, oh, is it really? Yeah. Okay. That's Can't talk about that. <laughs> Too top uh, secret. <laughs> there are others that probably can speak better to it, but that's kind of part of the whole deal. Okay. And then it's also, I mean, you got to make it nationwide as well, because I mean, gang yeah. activity doesn't stop at the state line. Yeah. So how do we how do we do that as well? So we're we're constantly trying to to continue to do that. But again, I think we've got some great. We got three great U.S. attorneys right now. B.J. Pack is ours, and he's from Gwinnett County, and uh, I'm sure he comes to Dunwoody every now and again to go to one of our great restaurants. <laughs> um, but uh, the the two others are great, and when a governor makes an issue an issue it, it matters and that's what he's done and i appreciate the partnership we've had with him and and vic reynolds and others yeah and there's a human couple of human and trafficking stories over around the super bowl the time of the super bowl in atlanta and they came to dunwoody right isn't they that? did and, and again i commend the decab police dunwoody police decab da's office you know for for uh, uh for what they did as far as that particular um uh, uh sex ring and that sort of thing you know when I was at Economic Development, our job partially was tourism. So we were responsible for trying to help to go out and bring Super Bowls and college football national championships and Final Fours and that sort of thing. And then I get to the Attorney General's office and I find out the flip side is that that is their human trafficking. So as I've said before, we shouldn't stop bringing great events. You know, we're a convention center of the you know country. We shouldn't stop bringing those events to the state, but we should focus and stop the criminal activity. You know, so the the Super Bowl, there's no doubt that there is human trafficking that surrounds that we used it as a great opportunity to raise awareness we did an event called stop traffic mm-hmm. where the Gwinnett school system gave us uh, 36 school bus or 72 school buses to kind of uh, exemplify and and uh, the the 3600 children that are impacted by human trafficking every year that was a great event we had a lot of folks we did it out of Atlantic Station and then drove down to uh, Mercedes-Benz but it, it's something that happens all the time again not just an Atlanta issue Yes, and Hartsfield does a great job, and I'm sure people do come in using Hartsfield and uh, you know come in from using any one of our the roads that make our state great from a logistics and business standpoint. Criminals can use it too, but when you start looking at it, you look at that situation in Dunwoody. Most of the demand comes from the northern suburbs. I mean, it's homegrown, and so our office is focused on the demand side. How are we going to go after the buyers and sellers of sex? And so one of our big initiatives this session was to create a human trafficking prosecution unit. And the governor and the legislature work with us. We'll have six folks. Uh, it starts July 1. We've hired the lead prosecutor, and, and we'll have an announcement on July the 1st on who that'll be. But it'll be somebody that can work together with federal, state, and local partners and go after those who are buying and selling children for, for sex and rescue the victims. Average age of a victim is 12 to 14-year-old girl, not wow. just girls. But that's a sixth to an eighth grader. You know, we, I've got a rising ninth grader. And Marist has a great program called Stop the Madness. And so they've started – it's a, a human trafficking awareness program for students. It's getting out there, and the more sets of eyes we have on the problem, the better off it's going to be because we'll be able to help law enforcement 
identify these situations. Yeah, I think that scared a lot of people in Dunwoody or made them yeah. realize that it could happen anywhere. Right in our backyard. And, and, and talking about, again, a statewide issue, there's a great nonprofit called Georgia Cares, which helps victims of human trafficking and, and sex abuse. And, and in 2018, they helped nearly 800 victims from 134 different Georgia counties. So that really, I think, uh, kind of shows the statewide impact, you know. And that was just one nonprofit. Right. That's not nation, you know, national hotlines or anything along those lines. So, Do you see um, any of that going through, like, uh, PDK Airport at all? I mean, just be, it could. Just, okay. I, I, don't, I mean, I can't, I, I can't tell you that it, it wouldn't or it doesn't, but I think, I think the big thing that's surprising to most people is the homegrown nature of demand. You don't have to come in PDK. You don't have to come in through Hartsfield. It's right there. So it's just originating here. And it then, is. Okay. And there's a, there's a new uh, ad campaign that came out. Actually, a fraternity brother of mine named Michael Dunn helped kind of coordinate with uh, a number of different folks in Atlanta. And it's, it's kind of hard-hitting. It's, it's out there right now. But um, what we were talking about and, and that – kind of the the profile for them because they're focusing on demand and changing this mentality that there's you know there's some fantasy involved in it you I mean you're destroying lives you're destroying children you're buying you know kids i mean it's, there's it's rape you know those types of things so to change their their mentality but the av- their kind of profile was about a 38 year old white male from the suburbs with two kids that's married oh damn that's me oh my god i just <laughs> described you man <laughs> But there's tough issues. I mean, again, uh, you know, I, I've been proud of the, the roles I've been able to play with Senator Isaacs in economic development. It was a great time to be involved in economic development. It was from 2013, 2016, and it, it was, you know, positive. These issues are serious, and, and the but the satisfaction level of being able to serve and deal with these issues is tremendous. And, um, you know, I'm proud to be from Dunwoody and and but the reality of the situation is no community is immune from any of this stuff the question is what are you doing about it and in Dunwoody we're doing stuff about it in the state we're doing stuff about it and people ask well you know like human trafficking aren't we the number one city for human trafficking I don't know if that's right or wrong because it's really hard to get data on it but I know this, we're shooting to be the number one state that's fighting human trafficking. And that's why we're doing all that we're doing. And I think that that's something, you know, to be proud of. Everybody's going to have crime. you got to be able to fight it. And to show that you're going after it with tangible results, I think, is critically important. Making a difference. Do you ever get in a courtroom anymore? I, my job is to manage the lawyers who are here. Right. So we got 150 lawyers in-house. We have two to 300 lawyers around the state because oftentimes we'll have a geographic or subject matter need. Um, the last time an attorney general was in a courtroom at trial court level was the mid-'80s, and the last time at the Supreme Court and appellate court was the mid-'90s. That just isn't what AGs do mostly anymore and, and uh, you know, proud of the management role and, you know, knowing where the state's going and how do we support and how do we, you know, how do we uphold the law? How do we represent the interests of the people of the state? And we have incredible lawyers around the state that are passionate about public service, and I'm just grateful to be a part of the team. Because you've got kind of a good um, tagline. If you do get somebody convicted, you can say, you just got in car serrated. <laughs> and then you got you got to point to yourself when you say the car part of it. You've been thinking about that the whole episode. (laughs) How long have you been thinking about that? That's why he hasn't talked about it. The beginning of the show.
All right, so what do you do around Dunwoody? Tell me, I mean, what do you do with your kids? So got, we have two girls. One's a uh, senior, rising senior at University of Georgia. One is a rising freshman at Marist. And she's in and, and the UGA, uh, uh, our daughter that's at UGA is just loving life. She's, you know, that's doesn't know how good she's got it. It's great. I understand. It's just fantastic. And then our daughter at Marist is involved in a lot of theater. So she's actually done some stuff at Act 3 in Sandy Springs and George Ensemble Theater up in, in Roswell. And we got the stage door player. She hadn't done anything yet there, but hopefully maybe maybe someday. But I loved growing up there and, and growing up in Dunwoody and playing baseball at Murphy Candler and and uh, going grocery shopping at Ogletrees and getting pizza at Noble Romans before Mellow Mushroom was around and yeah. mm. eating breakfast at Hickory House and that sort of thing. But, you know, it's, it was uh, it was riding my bike up to when Burger King over at Georgetown was brand new. It used to be Steak and Shake. Yeah. But then when they opened Burger King, man, we'd ride our bikes up there. And, and, and I remember when Donkey Kong Jr., the video game first came out. It was about the fifth or the sixth grade. It was at uh, it, they got it at the Seven Eleven, which is over, our, which would have been on North Shalliford. Uh, it's in where the Sababa restaurant is in there, right. and a line of kids just sitting out there waiting to play Donkey Kong Junior <laughs> at the, the Dunwoody Seven Eleven. And you hope the guy that's really good at it isn't in front of you. <laughs> he was, and he was. Take a long There's time. no doubt. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Well, that's cool. Well, thanks a lot for making time for us, We're guys. Like thank y'all. I know you got better things to do than deal with small town podcasters but <laughs> no and appreciate what y'all do thank y'all for putting spotlight on dunwoody appreciate had a good time with don't that, forget so. about that incarcerated thing that's, <laughs> yeah. that could be big we're, we're gonna, i think billboard i don't think bumper sticker i think yeah. billboard on that think big. <laughs> All right. well thanks chris thanks guys